Let's get into this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Between Sets. My name is Tyler Patterson. I'm always, as always, joined by my co-host, Tim. What's good? We are joined by the one and the only, Dale Hall. How's it going? There's actually two of us in the world. I apologize. Uh, I'm a junior. I'm a junior. Right. Face. So, <laughs> uh, so you're the junior to your dad is the senior. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you yeah. just like Facebook Dale Hall and added that guy. No. I was like, what's up, man? No, no. I'm, I'm a reproduction of my father. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. He's going to like that. We are too. <laughs> Not of your father. Our, <laughs> father. <laughs> That'd be freaking crazy. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> We're brothers. Brother Dale. Um, Dale is a wealth. Wealth. I can't say that word. Wealth. It's like Guelph. Wealth. Fund manager and a f- current and former, I guess, or current um, professional rugby ref. Yeah, yeah. So prof- we won't use the word professional because I was more so on the amateur side of the sport. Okay. But yeah, that was uh, that was uh, basically my identity. Some people just know me as Dale the ref. Now, oh, yeah. A lot of people know me as Dale the ref. <laughs> Did you play too. first? Is that how you got into it? I mean, some would call it playing. I would call it aggressively throwing my body wherever I could. That so. was me, man, because I came from football into rugby. So. Did you? Yeah. You played rugby? Yeah. Oh, Just amazing. in high school. Yeah. Where, here locally? Are you from the area? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so you would have played at, uh, was it Aaron? Aaron High Aaron? School, yeah. 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 Gary is a coach or something. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah I know yeah. Gary. Yeah. yeah. Do you actually? Yeah, I do yeah. know. Yeah, he coaches at Guelph University. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's the thickest yeah. vegetarian in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a veggie. Well, I mean, yeah. Oh, I didn't know he that. He was always a vegetarian. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beer, beer doesn't have any meat in it, right? So that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. I hope he listens. Yeah. Listen Dude, to I know. Him. Do you know the other coaches there? Uh, at Guelph University yeah. or at Aaron? Yeah, I know Guelph. Daryl Devine, Devine pretty well. Corey Hector. Um, at the Guelph University, it? there's Colette McCauley. She's on the women's side. Okay. Uh, Jay Gibson. Yeah, I know. There, I forget. It was probably one of those guys you mentioned, but uh, one of the coaches, he's a big boy. Yeah. And he, uh, I, I bought some Olympic lifting shoes off him. He was okay. the nicest Dave guy Neal. ever. Was it Dave Neal? I don't know. Short, really muscular? No, not short. He's oh. taller than me for sure. Just large for sure. Okay. Well, I'd see Hopped if out of a truck. Space. Everything was just know. large about this guy. Yeah? Yeah. Beard? Big beard? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I know who he is. I just yeah. don't remember his name. Oh, I feel okay. bad if he's listening yeah. to this, but <laughs> yeah, I've reffed him quite He's a an times. avid listener, so he's going to be offended. Is he? Oh, geez. He'll write in for sure. <laughs> well, I'm going to get so many angry I'll definitely see him next fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, did you play at a, uh, at a competitive level when you played rugby, or was it just kind of high school, Kawasa, Offsa type stuff? I uh, never made it to Offsa or Kawasa. Or for us, it was... Um, Sasa, Southern Ontario. Uh, oh, so, yeah. Right. so yeah, never made it there. Never. Uh, I just played high school. I was, played in grade ten. Uh, we had some unruly children, and uh, they kind of ruined it for us. So we actually lost our program in grade ten. Whoa! Yeah. So outside of school stuff. Uh, yeah, I started playing outside of school in. Oh, grade sorry. 12. I mean, with the the kids that ruined it. Oh, uh, no, they ruined it at school. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we we lost our program for a few years. So I had to play club rugby uh, down in Niagara. I played for the. Uh, Niagara Wasps and uh, Wasps. not a very good rugby player by any means. I was pretty pretty bad at rugby. Like I'm not naturally athletic. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to be an athlete. But yeah. like there, my yeah. high school nickname was Pudge. Right? No so, way. Like, I was I had Pudge uh, for a little bit. I had half a meatball for a little bit. I had pork chop. Like, I got those are my nicknames. Pudge is a good nickname. Uh, I, I kind of still hold on to very nickname. Half a meatball. Yeah, half a meatball is a good one, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I ate the other half. Uh, <laughs> it must be from the longest yard. I think that's. You guys, really? have you ever seen the movie? Yeah. Is that the second yeah. reference to Longest Yard today? Yeah, I referenced it earlier today with Tim. <laughs> but that guy goes, you can't read. And then he says, it says tryouts, you have a meatball. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's probably what it's from. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, not to harp on your nickname too much, because that's really sad, and I apologize if people called you half a meatball. You yeah. know what? I, You're I, a full I, meatball. Yeah. yeah All right. Know, right? You're contributing yeah. to bully culture. If Oh, damn. Ooh, sorry, guys. Yeah. I'm perpetuating. You know what? It's Bully culture is all in the eyes of the person being bullied. I took it as uh, terms of endearment, because right. like, it wasn't bullied. Like, yeah. everybody appreciated it. I think most yeah. guys do. Yeah. Right? And it was a motivator. Bad, like, yeah. when I actually had abs at one point in my life, yeah. like, this is awesome. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but uh, that didn't last long, because, I mean... Well, I'm wearing pizza socks. That shows where my love is, right? <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I know that when I played, I was uh, not the greatest. And I, I had a stage two tear in my MCL. And I was actually driving. He's actually a, a pretty well-known rugby player now. His name's Ray Barkwell. I was driving him to the airport. He was going to go. Uh, he's going on tour. He's going to go play at some tournament in Nova Scotia. And he just said, Dale, you know, if, if you need money, why don't you start refing during the spring? So you ref, you make a ton of money. It pays for your club dues so you can go play rugby and, you know, line the pockets a bit when you go out at night. Right. And I just, that was it, you know. So I did this course. I had no idea what's going on. I was doing it with a buddy of mine. And, like, he knew way more than I did. I had no idea what was going on. Like, I just don't understand the laws. I was just always the guy that, you know, picked up a rugby ball, threw yeah. it, yeah. tried to catch it, tried yeah. to get tackle, right? Yeah. And uh, I did the course and... I think with rugby, and I'll say this because I'm extent, I'm no longer uh, very active as a referee. I do more administrative stuff. Okay. But I mean, it's like anything in life. If you meet someone who's young and they have even a little bit of skill, and you're in an aging demographic, you're gonna want to bring them in, right? So I just had my tires pumped and like, yeah, you're gonna be great. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that. And and I bought in, right? Like I was okay with that that carrot being dangled. And, mm-hmm. Right. That was, I was 20 years old at the time, and then I just went after it, and I just excelled at refereeing at some point. You know, I, like the learning curve, I was really, I flatlined for a while, I didn't get much better, but then I guess nobody can see my hand, but I'll do it anyways. You know, I, started getting, I started getting better, and one day I just woke up, and I was at my first internet, full international tournament in Mexico City. And uh, Whoa, it was that's a wild. yeah that was a World Cup sevens qualifier in Mexico City. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So that sevens was... too. You were running like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I ran. <laughs> uh, so fitness testing was really big. Um, so we, you know, my test that I like to use. You know, we did the the yo yo. We did the beep test. We did all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really enjoy that. I, I preferred doing like longer distance stuff or just short one kilometer things. So. Mm-hmm. And, and again, me not being naturally fit, it was tough, but I think my, my best 5K, you guys might appreciate this, my best was around 1820. I ran it in the afternoon and I only ate 300 calories that day before. It. Holy wow. shit. So I just went after it. Yeah. Right? So, nice. so like I, and we could talk about that, like the whole nutrition side of things. And like, I just had this really hard mentality of just, just get things done yeah. and just train. And I was in a caloric deficit for a number of years because it was hard for me to lose weight. Yeah. And I just did some some pretty interesting things physically, always being in a deficit. And that run was definitely my favorite. That was, that was something that I still have the uh, yeah. I still have the uh, the GPS map on that. I still have the screenshot oh, yeah. of what I ate that day on, on uh, my, my fitness pal. Like I have it all there because that was, that was a pretty big moment for me, I think. Well, that's, you... kind, that's kind of an attest to the human body. Like you can do amazing stuff short of the things that you think are your shortcomings. Yeah. You're like, I didn't really eat today. My my training's gonna be bad. I'm not gonna be able to run fast. And then you're like, ah, whatever. You stop thinking about it. And you're like, your body can run without calories yeah. for a certain amount of time, of course. Yeah. But like even 300 calories, it's like, cool. We got some fat stores. We're fine. It's all yeah. good. Thanks for yeah. the 300 calories you gave us. That's cool. Yeah. Right? Were you heavier most of your life? 
Yeah, yeah. I was super heavy as a child. Um, and then even, I think grade nine, I peaked at like 225 and I was 5'5". Five, five, right? So oh, okay. pretty high yeah, body fat percentage. Yeah. yeah. Well, even at 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even a few years ago, I was really got into just powerlifting. I love lifting heavy. Cool. And, uh, but it didn't, it wasn't conducive with running. I didn't like sure. running, but I was a referee. It didn't yeah, make yeah, sense, yeah, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I think I was a pretty healthy 210 yeah. at that point. And then... Uh, it's something, you know what, I, I read this book and I started listening to this guy named Jocko Willink. He runs a podcast. Yeah. Oh, we know. And you guys know oh, yeah. him? Yeah. yeah. I have one of his books. Yeah. yeah. Extreme Ownership, yeah. the one you wrote yeah. with Leaf. Yeah. 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 Like that changed my life and that yeah. changed my perspective. So yeah. it really was just a matter of like, oh, if it sucks, just suck it up and do it. So I yeah. lost. I went from 210 to 157 was my lightest. Whoa. And wow. That was, that was pre-Mexico City. So that was, okay. so I mean, the, the carrot was there and I, and I just went Good for after you, man. it. That's yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That was, that was an exciting time in my life, but I saw photos of it and I can never go back to 150 again. Right. It was, it was too small. Right. Oh, I look like I was dying. Like I actually yeah. looked ill. Right. So yeah. are you generally pretty obsessive with things? Oh yeah, yeah. I have hardcore, okay. uh, not hardcore. My boss yeah. would say, you don't have hardcore OCD. I do. <laughs> uh, I, have some, I have some pretty aggressive OCD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so I get you know if I if I want to do something I just I just do it. So I got pretty heavy right now. I got pretty comfortable and and uh, Taylor, my fiance, and I we were talking about you know we both want to be in decent shape for right. uh, for the wedding and uh, and even David, my boss, you know he, we always get at each other and he says you gained a little bit of weight since you cut down <laughs> on the rest of the So I'm just yeah. right now I'm just on it. And it's like yeah, nice. I, I mean you better. already got a girl, you got a fiance. You don't yeah. really need to impress anyone. So you can see I how haven't it goes. signed it's, the papers. It's yet, all oh, me. True. no, no, it's all me mentally. Yeah, I just right. need to impress myself. She loves me all oh, yeah. that. It's like stop picking on yourself. I yeah. can't help it. It's just so Dude, chicks, so chicks don't care about your body. Is the yeah. sweetest. It's not. You care. It's other guys in yourself that care the most. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? true. That's also, true. Taylor is the nicest girl I've ever met in my whole life. She is. She Shout is. out to every other girl that I've said that about. But, like, I swear to God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she really is, like, oh, she couldn't be sweeter. She, like, knits. She's, like, yeah, yeah she's the best. Yeah. The, sure. I, I don't know what she saw in me. But she just liked me, and you're stud. Grandpa wow, glasses on right you, now. You got you. pizza socks. Like she's like, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I portray a lot of good qualities in pizza. <laughs> uh, I look like an adult. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I know I'm very, very lucky to have uh, Taylor as a fiance. She definitely cool. keeps me grounded. When are you guys getting married? May second. Oh, that's yeah, not that long. Really soon. Yeah. yeah. So we're. Wow. Uh, Small wedding, thirty. Yeah. We're at thirty-four people right now. Oh That's wow, amazing. that's cool. Uh, so her Where family, uh, Niagara. Oh, so okay. there's a little brewery. Well, we're getting married at the gazebo in Niagara in the Lake. Okay. And uh, there's a little brewery called uh, Counterpart Brewing, and uh, they didn't pay me for this, but definitely <laughs> when it comes to like culture and and just places to be, yeah. Counterpart's amazing. Oh yes? yeah, okay. Joe and Eric there, like they've they're awesome guys. Like you, we walk in and it's not a typical brewery, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they have like a little play area for kids. So it's it's always families there. Their kids are running around. Yeah. Parents, I'm assuming, are complaining about being adults and yeah. having kids. <laughs> sure. But like everybody's smiling, right? Yeah. So and cool. it's a small place. And I said, you know, let's try and get married here. So they have their one year anniversary next Wednesday. It's one year they've been open. And we're going to be there. Hopefully their first wedding. Unless somebody That's steals this cool. from us. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So we're really excited. Cool. Two 40-year-old guys just living their dream. So we wanted to help them out. I love yeah, it. That's cool. That's yeah. so cool. Also, being a wealth manager, I imagine you were like, let's not spend a lot of money on the wedding because I can invest all that. What do you get? What are we doing? You yeah. know what? Actually, I said we can spend as much as you want to spend right. on it, um, within reason, of course. But uh, I said that because I knew Taylor was 
following my mindset. So sure. I was, you know, trying to make it myself sound good there. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but no, yeah, we we knew we wanted something small. We didn't want to yeah. do anything big. Cause it's no yeah. it's no fun for anyone, right? And yeah. and I mean, this is uh this is gonna be a pretty busy year for us. I don't think we planned it this way, but the month leading up to when I proposed to her, uh, seven people we knew got engaged in July. Before oh us. Oh my god. So yeah. seven couples? Seven couples. Seven <laughs> couples. Yeah. You're just overshadowed, like no. Yeah. No we, one no one cared. They're like, oh cool, congrats. Oh on no, your, no, no. I had the on. best proposal and I blew everybody else's out of the water. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, nothing there. Like nobody had a chance against them. Yeah. Right, right? <laughs> just flexing. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, well I mean, are they gonna say they're not here? They're gonna tell us me on that one, right? Tell, <laughs> well, us, Dale. tell us about it. So uh Taylor I uh, worked for this trip company. So she was in Australia for three weeks and then she was in Hawaii for a week. So she was gone for basically almost four weeks, yeah. right. uh, all of July. I was, uh, I had a couple trips. So I had the Olympic qualifiers in Cayman Islands. And then, uh, yeah, and then the weekend after I had, I'd had this bike ride around Lake Ontario for a charity. And then I had the Pan Am Games. Right. So she got back the day before I did. And then I got back on the 29th. So I planned this whole thing. I had her friend, uh, make the ring for her so I, I had her friend make it and i planned it where her parents and her sister and my parents were at the airport and they were going to watch me propose to her at the airport so i spun this yarn because i actually landed at terminal three and i didn't want to bring the ring with me to peru so and i knew she would never look at my actual ticket or, or follow up so i said yeah i'm landing at terminal one so i had her meet me at terminal one my dad and my stepmom picked me up at terminal three we drove over met her parents we like there's a, a little area up top in terminal one where there's like a booster juice they stood up there i went down i saw her and uh and yeah i just proposed right on the ground at terminal one there that's did awesome. people see it oh yeah yeah <laughs> nice. we got a couple claps not many they got a yeah. couple and yeah. but yeah that was uh, that cool. was a proposal there yeah nice. so it was i think it was around 11 o'clock at night i had 30 hours of travel she oh, looked rough. I looked yeah. rough because obviously she just got through a ton of travel as well. Right, and right. but it was uh, makes it even cuter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed somebody the photo of it yesterday. I'm wearing. Uh, I look like I'm wearing man pre's, and I have my sweater wrapped around <laughs> yeah, my waist, just classic. looking like a disaster. Yeah, She's wearing neck a travel flannel. pillow still. Around yeah, <laughs> just like just completely. And I'm not even conscious. And yeah. I remember going into the airport because I didn't sleep a lot over that time because I basically. Sunday morning, we woke up for the tournament. We reffed all day. We had a little get together at night, and then I had to leave for the airport at 3 a.m. Yeah. So I, and then I was up basically from Sunday at 8 a.m. almost straight till Monday at 11 p.m. Okay. Wow. So I just remember getting to the airport and looking at everyone saying, Guys, I'm super happy right now. I just can't keep my eyes open. Yeah. So yeah. that was, uh, right. but yeah. it was. It was it was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, yeah. man. So for the next seven episodes, we're gonna have all those couples on, and they're gonna tell about their proposal, and then we're gonna vote. We're gonna vote. You're gonna yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. So nice. one of them was her cousin, and the other's my best friend. So yeah, yeah. So that'll be that'll be getting fun. Your best nice. friend got engaged too around the same time. Oh yeah, he was a that's week and cool. a half before me, and. Yeah. Uh, it's, he he was designing the ring the same time I was, and we were we kind of talked back and forth about it, and then uh, yeah he proposed I think a week maybe a week and a half before me him and his uh, now fiance are in uh, they were in Nova Scotia, so we did it there and then we did ours and then their wedding is fourteen days after ours, so cool. we actually have five weddings in five weeks. Whoa! Yeah, That's we have nuts. her cousins, ours, one of my good friends that I played rugby with. My best friend, and then we have another friend uh, from school for Taylor. Five and five weeks, yeah. I have zero weddings this summer. 
This yeah. is a, my first year in a long time. I really wish I was sitting in that chair right now. Yeah, <laughs> your chair. Sorry. Yeah. Five in a row is a lot. Five in a whole so, summer, I would be okay with. Even five in a whole summer is a lot. That's a lot. Like a, five in a year is like a good number. It's a solid plan. Yeah, we have seven to eight this year. Oh. Total. Yeah, seven yeah to eight. that's heavy. So we have seven to eight weddings. We're buying a house and a dog. So just why not do it all at once, right? Yeah. You all you're there. fully domesticated. Oh, I'm so domesticated. Fully domesticated. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. There's a store that opened up down uh, down the road from our office. And I was like, oh, wow. Hey, that's a store that has interior stuff like pillows and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And can't wait to go there, right? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. where life is now. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like, I love HomeSense. I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. I actually do this great deal. It is, it is a great deal. Right? <laughs> Sometimes I see them, I'm like, that candle would look great. Yeah, that's exactly it. it just looks like it, it would like smell good, you know. Patchouli. Uh, yeah. What is yeah. patchouli? Nobody knows, but we love the smell of it. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. What it smells the... like Guelph. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Man, I bought a laundry basket the other day, or a couple weeks ago, and that was like the most. I I was buying it, and I looked down at it, and lady was like, you okay? And she's like, do you want a different okay? one? I was like, I'm an adult now. Like, I, it yeah. actually sunk and hit me, and I was like, this is life. Oh, man. I love you how you're getting consoled by the... Yeah. The cashier. Showed it to that lady. Are she you was okay? really. She was like, "Are you okay?" And she like, could tell I was having that like, mi- like quarter life crisis right there in front of her eyes, and I was like, "I don't. I'm a man now. This is weird. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. I I used to think I was a big boy. I think I'm still gonna be. I got the Peter Pan syndrome and all that fun stuff. But yeah. I think yeah. I think all men are just children Come in on. disguise at times, right? Yeah. Right. You know, we always. Well, like I'll just say it right now. We all think farts are funny. And we'll never right. not think farts are funny. Hey, come on, yeah. right? forever. So yeah. that's you it's know, like physically you age, but you're still like, how does the world work? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I was actually telling my girlfriend the other day that on my deathbed, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my grandkid or great grandkid or whatever it was, and it's gonna be a boy. I'm imagining. <laughs> And I'm gonna, <laughs> scientifically, I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to make that happen by that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. Right. I'll be like, come here, little little Timmy, because Timmy's the perfect name, right? For a little kid, Timmy. Sure, man. Right? I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. say it. And I'm going to be like, come here. And I'll like, you know, my bated breath. And then I'm going to be like, come here, come closer. And I'm just going to fart and then laugh and then die. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to be like, wow. I just get crop dusted by my dying great-grandfather or grandfather. Dude, I totally thought you were going to go dark with that and just like whisper in his ear and be like... I still have no idea what the meaning of life is. <laughs> Goodbye. The meaning of life is that life has no meaning and then just die. You'll never that's, know either. Bye. That's dark. That's dark. That's so that's better. That's better. Yeah, Dude, that's let's, way better. Let's turn this podcast around. Okay. Dale, um, well, I want to talk a bit about rugby first because I think it would be it would be nice to, to get people to understand. Um, Do you see a lot of injuries and how were they – how were they managed when you were a ref? Like, would you have to, you would stop the play, they, a trainer would come out, or run me through that, like how that would. So, uh, so that's, a, that's actually a good one that you bring up because uh, recently some stuff just came up that I, I forgot about. Um, in regards to injuries, we always look to keep play going, right? So okay. if, if somebody gets injured on the right side of the field, because rugby is a continuous game, so, so for visualization for anybody listening, think of football meets soccer. There's a, a, a continual line of scrimmage and the ball's moving just like uh, in soccer, right? So if somebody goes down on the right side of the field and we're moving the ball to the left side of the field, we will attempt to keep the game flowing. Oh, wow. Uh, as injury gets, as the play gets closer to the injury and the player with the athletic therapist, because they just come out and they, they start working with them, then that's when we'll look to call call a game, or not call a game, but, but stop time. And uh, at that point, 
uh, you know, we take the time, let them take care of the injury. But I'll be honest, uh, I guess we can look at types of injury. Uh, you see a lot of injuries, but it's it's really dependent on the level of the sport. The, the lower the level, the more unathletically inclined the children are. And I'll use the word children because it does happen there in high right. schools. There's more injury. Uh, but as you get to the higher level of sport, you know, players are warming up properly. They're, they're doing all their prehab, their rehab, their training, and the injuries are far and fewer between. Um, a big worry that happens is is concussions. Yeah, and sure. I actually, I so I, this actually happened, I think it was two or three years ago. I sat on a panel discussion at the Royal Canadian Institute for Science. I was the only non-doctor, cool. by the way. The oh, only yeah? Doctor. Wow. Yeah, yeah there's, like, there's a couple guys who have named all of research. You, you guys might know, like, Dr. Charles Tater, who's a guy that's pretty big in Toronto, and I'm not going to remember any other names because yeah. I repress those memories of sure. those uneducated. <laughs> but in regards to concussion research, uh, proactive changing of the laws of the game to reduce concussions, rugby is by far ahead of most. Right. You know, we've yeah. we have a rule where a referee can take someone out of, out of a game if they feel they have any sort of, of head injury, um, which and it's you can't argue it. It's just the way it is um, at the highest level. They have this. I think football is using it now as well, but we have what's called Hawkeye technology. And it's a medical doctor sitting at a table with every single available camera angle of a game. And all they're doing is looking for head contact, whether it be head contact or whiplash. They're always looking for it. And at that level, if they see someone who potentially had an impact that could cause any sort of trauma, they will make sure the referee knows that the game needs to be stopped. That player needs to come out and they have to do a medical assessment. That's crazy. Yeah. Even if I'm not aware of this, is that true even if they don't express symptoms? Yes. Yep. Whoa, really? So if someone, if someone, if because the referees will miss stuff, right? So if somebody, because it's illegal to hit anybody above the, the shoulder line. Right. So if someone takes a shot to the head, that's Which missed. is the same in football now too. It is the same now, yeah. right? Is it? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. So what they try to do is if, if, some, if it gets missed, because, you know, everybody's human, they miss it. And yeah. even an athlete, you know, you might not know you get hit in the head with yeah. adrenaline, right? Yeah. Uh, then, you know, the doctor will say, because they're usually stationed right beside somebody who can speak to the referee. Uh, they'll say... Number 12 green needs to come off uh, for a head injury assessment. Now, that's only at the international and professional level mm -hmm. here. Sure. I think it's professional as well. I hope so at this point. Uh, at the lower levels, you don't get that, but you still get that work. So the athletic therapists are usually pretty well trained where they'll always be watching. They'll be lagging behind the action and mm -hmm. seeing behind. And, and same thing, if they need to pull someone off, they just get word to the referee and the referee follows with them and, and makes that happen okay. and uh, something that they're implementing in Australia that they're trying in Ontario right now is something called a blue card so if a player leaves the field for concussion like symptoms uh, they're issued what's called a blue card off the field and that gets sent to Rugby Ontario and uh, that basically the player has to follow up and they have to provide the provincial sport organization, Rugby Ontario, with with doctor clearance, and you know they need, it's a minimum two weeks out of the sport. It's a graduated return to play. Right. So they're they're we're really working hard on on reducing injuries there and being aware of it because it's it's a scary thing. And uh, rugby is a pretty safe sport for the most part in regards to concussion management. There's the laws are made where it's not a collision sport; it's a contact sport. Right. And the higher the speed, I've always said that too. Like because I came from football and I was like. I never, I didn't. I only played three years of rugby, mm -hmm. but I never had a head issue. Yeah. In football, 
I had a head issue almost every play. Yeah. <laughs> every play. Right? Yeah. Because if I'm getting contacted, because we have helmets, we use our head. Yeah. And this was right before I stopped football. A couple of years before concussions were like uh, on vogue and like people were talking about it. Yeah. You know, but uh, so it wasn't really a conversation being had um, yeah. a lot, but... Yeah, like rugby is relatively safe from a head perspective. Like, unless it's yeah. an accident more so, right? Like someone's more so. head falls on a knee yeah. or stuff like that. Like, it, I feel like that would be more common than, like, you don't see a head to head thing, which in football you do all the time. Exactly. You know? Well, because, you know, we, all the time, every we, play almost. Yeah, we don't have that, that uh, superhero, quote unquote, mentality, right? You know, your body's on the line. So we, when we coach a safe tackle, we always coach, you know, cheek to cheek, get your cheek of your face to the cheek of their butt and keep it tight and, and go down, right? Because it reduces those, uh, what are those subconcussive impacts, right? Uh, and yeah. that's a big thing is they're, they're trying to keep the neck, the brain stabilized. So that's where we see the injuries in high school because mm -hmm. in, in high school, you know, how much training is anyone doing on, on neck strength, right? Like on uh, just neck and, and core strength. It's not there as much. And we find, you know, strain, training those, those SCMs and just everything in your neck, it, it really helps keep the head on like strong yeah. i know it's stupid yeah, oh, but yeah. you, you watch old boxing clips yeah. of people holding weights off their head you know yeah. increasing the neck strength it's true right yeah sure so it helps if you can stabilize your neck you, the brain won't bounce around as much in contact and yeah and, the, and with football that's where the issue is it's it's those sub those sub concussive hits right yeah. that, that cte that just catches up to you and uh it's it's a and you're thing. encouraged it's weird because there's this like superficial misconception where it's like if you have equipment it means you're safer, mm -hmm. right? So they have shoulder pads, they yeah. have whatever else in a helmet. And it's like, no, all that's the protective equipment just means the collisions are larger. Yep. So it's a problem. Like yeah. less is better. I couldn't have felt more safe during rugby. Exactly. But in football, it was like even even like an, uh, an average impact left me with a, you know, a, a four minute headache or something. Like it was pretty mm -hmm. normal just to mm -hmm. be like pounding headache for a few minutes and then dissipates. Mm -hmm. I can't remember ever having a headache during rugby. Yeah. You'd, you'd be scrapes and bruises. Yeah. Which are, you know, perfectly <laughs> fine. You yeah. know, like you're going to be fine. But. Yeah. And that's that's where most of it comes from, right? Uh, is, is just those little things. Like when I blow my MCL, it wasn't. If in Ontario, we play rugby in the summer. When the ground gets hard, feet get locked into the ground more. That's where those ankle knees, right? Because when you, when you look when your foot wants to escape and it can't escape, mm -hmm. well, that's what happens there. So that's what's really hard about our sport in Ontario is we play in the summer when the ground sucks. So if we look at the Guelph Rugby Club, you know they play at Exhibition Park. When's the oh. last time a local park actually gets watered? And I used to play yeah. at Exhibition. Did you? Like, that's a hard yeah, ground, a hard right? Field. That's where my we yeah. used to practice. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's not enjoyable. Like that's where those injuries come from. So mm -hmm. I find there's more knee. Uh, I don't know. There's probably no statistics behind it, but there's more knee, uh, hip, and ankle injuries in rugby in, in Ontario, I would say. And even going back to the head stuff, I would argue that it's worse with the head too. Because oh, when you yeah. land, you're ka-clunk. Yeah. Like I used to also play at University of Guelph, which was real grass and lots of it. Yep. And uh, you hit that, you just want to stay down there. It's yeah. so comfy. <laughs> was, it the, was it the field at the bottom of the hill there? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That's the best field yeah. in Ontario yeah. for me. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think it's different now. It's so right? good. Because they... I think it's even better because the Ticats had to come play there. It I was their temporary that. home yeah. for a while. That's why it's one of the nicer university stadiums. Oh, okay. Because it was their Ticat. It was the Ticats' home field when they rebuilt TD or whatever their one is now. Oh, when they shut down Iverwin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah and I mean, they had good funding. I know the the family that the guy that's the main funder there. I heard he yeah. gives. 
incredible amounts of money. We Stu? used that facility once. Is it yeah. Stu? I can't the remember. The coach, right? No, yeah, no. Not. It's, oh, it's the one who paid, they named that little, um, that little building beside the field. Oh, okay. It's, it's whoever that was. I can't oh, remember okay. his name now, but yeah, like, he's a big benefactor for Guelph and even Queens. He gives a lot of money to Queens as well. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I just love sport. He's playing there. both sides, eh? This guy. Who's he root for when it's Guelph versus championships. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Well, yeah, he waits till he after roots the game for himself. Yeah. He's like, I'm the winner here. <laughs> I'm playing both Either teams. way, I win. <laughs> Actually, yeah, he has all access anywhere in both locker rooms, so he mm-hmm. is the winner there for sure. Yeah, that'd be wicked. I want to talk about something else that we're going to switch switch it up again okay um we're talking about money let's talk about about finances this is going to be this could be difficult because tim and i have difficulty doing this on our own respective um knowledge base yeah is trying to make it digestible to the general population so try to keep things as layman as you can i will but uh i i have faith in you i feel like you're going to be really good at this. Okay. But yeah, I always try to, we're trying to get people to understand some things. Uh, hopefully they can listen to this podcast, have a good time and learn something. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on one thing first, because I'm fascinated with the thought of investing, like why you, why you would and where you would and all those sort of ideas. And then with this whole, how you put it actually in one of your articles, the, like a robo, the robo advisors and yeah. robo advisor. Yeah. So when should like people you know, because I would think go to a professional, they're professional, they do this every day, most likely, mm-hmm. um, just like you would come to Tim or I for training or mm-hmm. me for massage, like I do this all day long. Mm-hmm. So what is your, can you tell us a little bit about the article? I'm going to butcher that last name, so I'm not even going to say Moravik. Moravik. Moravik's paradox. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a statement that we can train a computer to easily do things humans can't, and a computer can't learn things easily that humans learn easily mm-hmm. so right. they just don't have that the like uh, a, good, a good example would be you know uh, striving to be the best a computer is just a computer it doesn't want to be number one it doesn't want anything it just it's just a computer it does the human what factor it's, yeah isn't there it's yeah. not there so robo advisors came out and uh, in that article I talk about disruption disruption is amazing right that's evolution you know the industrial revolution uh, disruptions are great but sometimes we go too far so robo advisors are to sum it up it's like a portfolio it's like a mutual fund manager except it's a robot it has algorithms there's certain things it looks for in in statistics and in the economy and it acts accordingly and it automatically does things based on a portfolio so robo advisors are really big that's the the wealth symbols out there you know quest trade has their robo advisors and and uh the, the disruptors that designed these tried to sell the idea of low fees you know you lose uh, Quest trades right now, their commercial on the radio is we could save up to $100,000 a year in fees. Isn't that worth it? And uh, that's where they sell themselves, yeah. and which is great. However, if you go on Wealthsimple, you ask five questions, which you have to ask. for. So Wealthsimple themselves they ask five questions, and they uh, it's compliance purposes. So they have to ask these questions. So, you, I mean, we've all done surveys. We've all answered questions. So you just blow through them. They say, okay, use this portfolio. People use that portfolio and off they go. Right. But there's no follow-up. There's no, there's nothing there. It's just, you're just putting money away. You don't really know what's going on and you're blind to, to everything that's occurring. So these robo-advisors came out and everybody loves them because fees are lower. Ah, oh, fees, fees. I hate paying fees. I hate paying fees. We all hate paying for stuff. And... And that's great if you're only worried about fees, but 
what happens when, you know, money, we have a correction, like we're, we're getting close to correction territory right now, right? Where you lose 10, 20% of your portfolio. Robo-advisors really became big after the 2008 financial crisis. We haven't had a very terrible year. We haven't had a recession since 2008. So everybody's flying high. We're making tons of money out there. You know, every, you, you, in the article I say, you have to work hard not to make money in the markets right now. Right. So yeah, a robo-advisor looks great, but we haven't had a crash yet. So how are our investors going to react when we have a crash and right. the only person they can blame is themselves or software? Do you think that that, that's a good point. Do you, do you think a, a, a correction or a recession in the market would incentivize like a market pivot towards uh, people spending money on uh, real human financial advisors? I think so. You think so? Yep, yeah. I, I think so because... And I mean, you're, yeah, obviously, like you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're in the in the business, right? So, yep. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, when I like, when I first got into the industry, I had a lot of questions, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I, I asked them. Because I'm sure a lot of people, sorry, but I'm sure a lot of people are also saying like, you're going to be obsolete, man. We don't need you anymore. Yeah. Like, why are you getting into this? Oh, for sure. Like, that is so- some thoughts of some. Sure. And, and you know what? There are areas where we could become obsolete, sure. but we won't become obsolete completely because... Mm-hmm. In my opinion, and I mean, I'm young, so who knows? I might be wrong, but I mean, my predecessors and my mentors agree with this thought process um, because really human nature to us is cyclical is uh, we won't become obsolete in those times where if you really need a question answered. So for instance, if you have to call a hotel, how much do you hate having to hit one, zero, three, four, like go through the whole yeah. computerized thing. How much yeah. does it annoy you, right? Yeah. Like your blood pressure goes up. Yeah. Why would you want to do that if you have a complaint about, oh, I lost 10% and I got to call somebody about it, right? Yeah. And so, you're like my, and most questions, like you have your FAQs, but like a lot of questions are contextual. It's yeah. specific to your situation. So you need a human that can appraise that instead yeah. of a robot that's like, is it categorized in this? Press three. Is it? Is it yeah. this? Is it? Is it a whatever? Right? Yeah. And you're like, can I just talk to a sales rep so I can just ask this weird question that I feel like nobody would have? Yeah. Because I need a human, you know. And and those and those questions really just haven't risen yet. They just haven't because our, our markets are have done well. Yeah. Uh, to 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 date. Um, so those questions aren't arriving. So yeah, I think I think there will be a disruption. So it's going to go in one of two ways, I think, and this is only based on what I've read so far. So the oldest millennials started investing when the 2008 crash happened. That's when they got into the markets. Mm-hmm. So they start investing and they lose 30%, 40%. They now are averse. They're risk averse. They don't want right. to invest. Yeah. So a lot of the older millennials don't have a lot of money in the bank. And if they do, it's just in cash. Right. So... They are now turned off because they don't believe in, in what the markets can do and they don't believe that there's success there. And, and, the, and the big banks have jumped on that. So they've created products that really cater to them. Risk-free, no risk, low interest. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. So there's, that's the segment we're at right now. Now, I'm finding uh, the people under, I would say, 33, they're, they're ready to get their feet wet. Right? They want to get into investing. They're hearing, oh, I made a lot of money in this or I made a lot of money in that. And that's when they want to get in, right? When And as um, somebody in the industry, when everybody wants to get into the markets, that's when we should probably be raising some indicators that 
you know, what's going to happen over the next little bit, right? Because there's when institutional investors get into it, those are the people that manage the big money. When they get into things is a very different timeline compared to when the public gets into things, right? So right now, I'm sure I'm sure both of you have heard about Tesla. Yep. And you guys are excited at the prospects there, right? And, and people want in. It is a, a volatile piece of, of uh, stock. And it's been around for a while. It's not new, right? So institutions have been in there for a long time. But I think you'd have to live under a rock not to know who Tesla is today. For right? sure. So it's, it's just people are going to get into it right now. And hopefully they don't go full steam ahead. Because, you know, eventually, you know, we'll, we will have a bit of a drop for a sustained period of time. And hopefully that doesn't push uh, the younger millennials away from being in the markets. But you just need to go out for advice, right? You know, It's kind of interesting, right? Because what you're saying is the the this model that Quest Trade has, Well Simple and whoever else, it's kind of a similar model that um, maybe it's just because of our cost of living going up that this, this uh, model has become so pervasive in our culture. But like, it's the same as like, simply or uh the orange whatever yeah, tangerine like, or whatever yeah, like all yeah. these different banks that are like we were no fees or whatever yeah. all that stuff yeah and then what else am i thinking of like there's a bunch of other um businesses that have followed that same model where it's like oh we're just cheaper yeah and uh which i think is good um but like you said it's like if there are i think it depends on the product yeah. and what you're looking for too because it's the same with training too i think there's you know, there's a lot of things out there with uh, training that's like automated, mm. um, which works for people who that is good for mm. and appropriate for. Um, like I can speak to all my clients, like they, the ones who are with me would not do as well. Obviously, I would be biased to say this, but would not do as well without the human connection. Mm -hmm. They need the personal aspect of it. They need the human factor. Um, so that would be inappropriate for someone like that, but maybe there's, there's other people that I've trained that I no longer train that did well with me, but they, they may do just as well with mm. a, a robo version, robo personal trainers, mm. something automated. So I think it like depends on the person, you know, like, and, and would you say that, you know, there, there have been people that you've wanted to work with that, you know, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. But then finally they do come to that realization either with help or without help that, Hey, no, I actually can't do this myself. I do need help, right? Yeah, like, and also yeah. the flip side, where people want me to do everything. Yeah, where it's it's also the other one where it's like there's a level of independence that I want to create in this person too. So yeah, yeah, both actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's really I think where where we're just going with within my industry is is you know what? yeah go ahead uh, experiment do what you got to do and I even tell my clients if you, if you want to go and do some investments yourself and play around go ahead mm -hmm. but just make sure you know we're really thorough with we we need a full picture of what's going on right right with our clients because that's how we can provide actual advice I don't give half advice it's not something we look to yeah, do right. because you know if you give half of advice you get half the results and you could and we could compromise our advice if we're, we don't see the full picture yeah so I tell clients go ahead and do that but um, but make sure you know, it's not really important money to you. So sure. yeah, you want that level of, of autonomy, but we also want to make sure we're, we're protecting them where we can, right? And and we'll let them go experiment. And then when they're ready to come back because they realize oh, this isn't working out that well, you sure. know, then that's, we're happy to, to work with them because I know. And, and just at the end of my article, I said, 
I made a statement that there's this uh, the gamma factory. It's you can if you look on my article on LinkedIn, you'll you'll see the actual um, uh, citation for it. But uh, statistically speaking, based on research that's been done, if you work with a financial advisor, any professional, for more than 15 years, uh, the average portfolio size is 3.9 times bigger than someone who doesn't have an advisor. Mm -hmm. So the argument is, is yeah, you can do it yourself, but do you really want to risk? not having those returns. And is that, because we're arguing, when it comes to fees, we're really really arguing 0.7% a year. If we were to put a, a number beside it, is risking 0.7% a year really worth potentially risking out on on $3 million? Yeah, 3.9 times bigger. Yeah, right? Right? And so. like saving fees only matters if your value is still high. Yeah. Like saving fees does not matter if now the value sucks. Yeah. Right, like if the product sucks, I shouldn't say sucks. Even if it's just less, yeah. Like it still has to be proportional. Yeah, you know, it's like we it's like, in Canada. Okay, cool, we save fees, but like, what are you selling me? Yeah, you know. In Canada, we like our banks. We like the banks. We we where we go for trust, we go to banks. We it's just the way we are. I think Canadians Canadians for the most part are very risk averse, and I would like look at technological advances that we've created. Not that many, right? Uh, look at prospering economy not as great as some other nations, right? So we are very risk averse naturally as a nation and uh, people go to banks. And and the question I pose to them is, do you have a mutual fund uh, at your bank in, in an RSP or TFSA, whatever it is? And if you get the answer, yes. Do you know how much your management fees are? No. So an average mutual fund now runs between 1.95% annually in management to 2.5%. How often do you see your, your uh, financial advisor at the bank? Whenever I go in, I need something. That's when I see them. Well, you're already paying 2.5% for that, and you're not getting any additional support. You're not getting any right. planning. You're not getting any information, right? You're not getting anything. So you're already paying a fee, but you're not getting any service for it. You're not right? using it. Yeah. That's so, a great point. And then, you know, to hypothetically go down the rabbit hole, that person could then be like, oh, this isn't serving me. And then they're like, advisors suck. Yeah. Don't, don't pay for that because you don't get anything out of it. And that's, and you know, I think, and then it's I think, like, oh, well, yeah. maybe you just didn't use it to your advantage. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think the majority of the people speaking out are in those positions. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've heard historically what fees were like working with advisors in the eighties and nineties. They're much higher than what they are now. You know, the public wanted lower fees and we've gotten as low as we can get. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can understand where that thought was, but uh, the one line I, I always struggle with is, is, oh, so you, like, you know, you'll hear things like, oh yeah, you're making a lot of money advisors across the board like the industry is so well regulated now advisors across the board they're only making money if they're making you money that's yeah right? exactly and yeah. uh and i'm a rotarian and a big thing in rotary you know we have we have this four-way test of things we think say or do and and one of them is is it beneficial to all concerned of course it's beneficial to all concerned for everybody to prosper we all yeah. we all want to prosper and and I'm in this industry, and I know full well, I'm in this industry because I didn't come from money. I've been homeless. And I have the I didn't have the tools at my hands to to make smart money decisions. Is, and, is that what you think made you want to get into finance? Like having yeah, no money at one point? You're like, having oh, no money, never doing that again. Yeah, 100%, yeah. you know, and, and it's, not, it's not a sad story. It's a great story uh, because, like, I'm not upset. I've never taken pity on myself, but... 
it's been the greatest motivator. And now my job is helping people achieve what they want in life. I'm not like a day trader, stock trader. Most of us aren't. We just help people with what they want in life. Yeah. And when I get to go see a client hold their child while we're setting up an RESP for their child, oh. there's nothing better than that, right? Nice. Cause, and, and for me, it's better because I never had an RESP as a child. Right. So those are the things, right? It's, you know, seeing clients who own businesses and achieving great successes and applauding them for it. Right. And, and being there for them, you know, we're not, we don't like to see our client once every six months and never talk to them again. You know, we keep our finger on the pulse. We know what they're up to. And, you know, if you do well, we're going to applaud you. And if you're having a rough time, we're still going to be there for you. Yeah. Right. And that's where I guess I can wrap, come full circle here. The computer can't do that. Yeah. It really True. can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I gotta run. You can take this out at forty-three. Sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. You guys nice keep going. Yeah. 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 Nice to meet you. Sure. Sorry. Uh, well, you have to long, work. You I have know. to make this. Sorry. Sorry. Dude, Tim is still here. He just handed me a note of a question you wanted to ask. He's uh, still here. Let's hear it. Yeah. Let's hear yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I gotta go though. So, kind of keeping that all in mind, Dale, because I, I, you know, I, everyone knows our philosophy here. It's kind of why we have the podcast, so I, we can get out these little pieces of advice out to people that like they can take and go. Oh, I can actually apply it to my life, and it didn't cost me anything in our situation i suppose mm-hmm. um that all being said you pretty much outlined the question that tim wanted to ask um but what's your philosophy as a financial advisor like what are you aiming to accomplish with these people i w- essentially what you just said but yeah. like if you could kind of sum it up and it's like here's my philosophy here's what i'm trying to do i uh, so my my why i always say why there is i like to help hardworking people achieve what they want in life. Yep. Right? Nice. If if I find I work I think I work really hard and Taylor can be the one who answers this question. I think I work really hard at what I do and I work really hard for my clients and I do that because, you know, I don't just get clients anywhere, right? I I look for people I admire. I admire yep. work ethic. That's what I look for. I admire values. And when I find people that work really hard and have good values, I will work really hard for them. And that's, nice. that's really what I go after there. Like yeah. that's, that's my why. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, and it's funny cause Tim and I are, are really good friends with a financial advisor and he's just starting and we have conversations like this too. And he feels he's frustrated because you have to kind of, you have to learn a lot of things, how yeah. to engage with a person, what to say, when kind of paint the picture for them, how to, you know, how should they perceive you? And I think the problem in lies as a financial advisor is that they perceive you as a, they just want my money. Yeah. Because you work with money all day, you're just going to be showered in it. Like, But like you just said, so if anyone's listening to this and they, they thought the exact same thing that I just said, Dale won't make money if he's not making money for you. Yeah. You forget yeah. that. Yeah. You make more money, Dale makes more money, we're all happy, it's prosperous. And again, that money, if you make it, was just sitting there making $0. Actually making... Theoretically, uh, what's inflation right now? Three percent or something? Uh, January to January is two point four percent. So theoretically, if yeah. you're making zero percent and your just money is just sitting there, yeah. you're losing two point. Sorry, what did you say? Two point four. Two point four percent. You're losing two point four percent. So if you have it, if you have fees, but then you're making like four percent with your financial advisor, five percent. Now you're a bit above inflation, which is awesome. So you're not losing out on money. Is the hype? The hypothetically speaking, um, but yeah, it's. You know, I think there's such a value with seeing someone in person. Yeah. There's just nothing like it. Um, I can't do robo massage, and yeah. that's not really possible. Yeah. So it's I'm kind of in a better position, I guess. But again, like the philosophy should be, 
I want to work as hard for you as you would want to work for me. Yeah. And I, I want to treat you like exactly how, you know, yeah. how I'd, I'd want you to treat me. Yeah. So it's a great philosophy to have. It yeah. is right. And I, and that's, that's really what it always came down to because I've never, um, I've always, I think I've always been driven to want to be around good people. You know, I always say like I had really great mentors coming up. Yes. So that's really what drove me all the time. And, uh, and and that's just that's just it, you know. You you find those people you can work hard with, and and your friend who's who's an advisor looking to get into the business. It's hard, you yeah. know. Getting into the industry now is so much harder than it was, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Definitely. And um, I have I have a few philosophies and thoughts there that I've kind of come up with over time because I, I've been fortunate enough, you know, through sport and just through childhood um, to just talk to people all the time. That was always something I did. I love talking to people. Yeah. I love learning about people. And uh, there's a lot to learn on the technical side of the industry. But when it comes to working with potential clients and clients, it's just a conversation. Yeah. And you have to care about them and you have to want to know about them. That alone will give you everything you need in the conversation, right? And yeah. Because if you... If you really care about someone and you want to be there for them, you don't need to work on, you know, how do I pull information? You don't have to work on the 80-20, you know, I pull 80, speak 20. You don't have, you, it's just, it's natural and it'll be there and it'll come out. And those yeah. are big things. But but it's, as well, you know, it's because, you know, we've really focused all of our conversation on, on the financial aspect. And I briefly touched on, you know, setting up accounts and stuff like that. But it's so much more. It's, you know, historically speaking, markets trend up. Right, they've trend they've trended up throughout society. Sure. Right. You know, we have pullbacks, we have recessions, depressions, but we always trend up. Um, so the like that side of it is is the easier side. It's the planning that's the hard side, right? Yeah. If if your if your friend is only selling, I'll use the word selling. If your friend is only selling a product, if, if there's there's not much room in the industry for that. You have to do more. You have to really. You have to understand all the time horizons for your client. You have to know what they want to achieve, when they want to achieve it, how they want to achieve it, and you help them there. And, and planning is the biggest portion. So there was a, a rugby coach at McMaster University, Phil White, and he had uh, uh, a term he used it called it the six P's, and I'll use it. I try to dumb it down to five P's for depending on the audience, but it's uh, right. proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Nice. That's so it's awesome. All, right? It's, it's yeah. and athletes can buy into this and anybody who wants to be a high achiever in life, not just athletes can buy into this. If you plan properly, you will be successful. Yeah. Right. I, I firmly believe that I was in sport. I planned a, I, we, every year we had to hand in uh, plans and I did that. And one time I had a conversation with a colleague saying, you know, there was no follow-up in a plan. You do it, you send it out, and you don't do anything until next year. Well, then I implemented check-ins. And, and, you know, and that really, you know, that got me from some kid who was 260 pounds refing in Niagara Falls right. to the international stage. At, those, at 150. At 150. Yeah, I was probably close <laughs> to one time. But, you know, that got me from from just refing and, hey, you're a little young. You know, you might think you're good, but you're not that good. You're a little young to refereeing a bronze medal game at the Pan American Games, yeah. right? The plan, yeah. execution, that'll just happen, yeah. right? So the, the investing side, that'll happen, but yeah. it's all the planning that goes into place, right? You know, I, I wanna buy a house in, in two years. Okay, well, this is how we need to get there. How much can you put towards it? Well, I can save this much. Okay, well, we need to make up, we need to somehow make you 15%. 
Yeah. It's impossible. If somebody tells you, oh, yeah, I'll make you 15% a year in two years and you can get a house. Walk that's out a, immediately. That's a, yeah, yeah. Like, that's not possible, right? And you yeah. have to be honest with people. If, if, if you need to make 15% in two years, I can't do that for you. So you need to save more. You need to be yeah. honest, right? Yeah. And that's like that's the big portion is the, the planning and, and the, the tax management and working. If, if, it's a, if it's a high achiever, you know, we we make sure we work with accountants, with other professionals in that person's life. That yeah. way we can build the moat around them and take care of them. But the number one thing there is trust. Yeah. If, if uh, Stephen, I think it's Stephen Covey uh, from Franklin Covey, he wrote a book. So he's the seven habits of highly effective people. So, okay. So is his son. So maybe it's not Stephen Covey. I don't remember his right. name now. But it's the speed of trust. Okay. When you're in a high trust environment, you get things done. Right. Yep. So with with you and Tim, I'm sure you guys have absolute trust. If he said to you, "Hey, can you pick up a case of water tomorrow?" Um, you're, he knows you're going to do it, and he's not going to have to worry. Yep. But imagine if he had to think that night, "Oh, did he pick up the water? Did he pick it up?" And that's stopping him from getting things done. Right. Right. So if 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 all things come down to is being working with a trusted advisor. Yeah. Right. That's that's when things really happen. Man, I could sell you, I could sell, I'll do your selling for you right now. Okay. So you just outlined how like your life has been like planning. Your life has been like, I'm looking for, first of all, I loved your thought of like being poor once. It makes you realize like, I don't want that for anybody. Yeah. So you're striving to help people, right? I was, uh, I had pain, I've had pain before. So my, my example is a little bit, everyone has it. Not everyone's been poor at some point, but I've had pain before and I go, I hate this. It's the worst thing in the world. I'm going to help people get out of it. Yeah. That, that's sparked in my brain i was like boom massage no problem but you plan and you want that trust and everything that you're saying when a massage therapist comes a student massage therapist because i go to humber and i will talk to the students and i'm part of a couple of committees there as well um for the massage therapy program and they go what's your like what do we do like for this and that like what course do we do and i go listen all that aside when you have a patient in front of you sit down and shut up ask one question and it goes, what can I do for you? That's it. Like ask, what can I do for you? So same in your position. Mm-hmm. You would sit down, I guarantee, and then they would just talk. And you're think you're in your head like you're tr- you're making a plan in your head while they're talking to you because mm-hmm. they go, I need this and this and this, and I don't like like if you let them go, they'll tell you what they like, what they don't like, what they want to accomplish, and you go, no problem. Maybe you jot it down mm-hmm. on a piece of paper. You're just doing like jot notes, right? So it seems like you would do that, no problem. You'd be like. I'm planning in, in my head what I want to do for you, what is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you're clearly obsessed with things and you're obsessed with finance right now, so, sounds yeah. like, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed. Yeah, I, I love yeah. I love what I do. I'm, I'm very fortunate that, that I have the opportunity to do it. Nice. And, you know, and with like with planning, we do things a little different at our firm. Um, and, you know, it's not just when, when you sit down with Dale Hall, you know, you're not just working with Dale Hall. Yeah. You're working with the whole team. Nice. And like That's we cool. have... We have a, I, I got to say, we have an awesome team uh, at our at our office. And I mean, uh, maybe I, I say this because, you know, they've seen me. They've literally seen me from the start of refereeing to being uh, an international referee. They've seen me at the start of my relationship with Taylor to marriage. They're coming to the wedding. Like, it's just a nice. team. So when I do a plan, you know, you're not just getting my 
knowledge because I, I have very limited knowledge, right? I'm yeah. quite young in the industry. I've only, I only know what I've read through textbooks for the most part, right? Sure. And in my real world experience now, but you're getting a team, right? Like, so uh, Jeremy at our office, he always reviews things. David reviews things. Jackie reviews things. Like it's, it's a whole team. It's a, it's a plan by council. Nice. Right. And we're fortunate to have the, the ability to do this for our clients, but it is, uh, you know, we have that team and, and that's one of the other great things about it, right? Is, is we're just this team, you know, we have a ton of fun together. We get things done. Uh, Jeremy, David and I were just in Florida for a conference nice. and you know, our first day there, uh, we all, we all like to try and stay active, but we just popped on some bikes and rode around the neighborhood in Cape nice. Coral. Right. And that's awesome. And I'm a, I'm a Rotarian rotaries. Rotary is now, I'm no, I'm no longer, I would say, synonymous with rugby as much anymore, but I'm definitely much more synonymous with Rotary. And nice. there was a Rotary park near us and we went to it. You know, we just went and, you know, we checked it out. And, you know, how often are you in a different industry where you all share a mentality for, you know, being active and yeah. and stuff like that, right? Like we're all going skiing next week. You know, we have a, nice. a team that just... I see you just started. That's, yeah, you're that's looking, why I started good. skiing. You're yeah. crushing that pizza. Yeah, I got the pizza, pizza and the fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. there, I took on a black diamond on Tuesday night, you know, and oh. uh, didn't, didn't go down. So yeah. was, well, because Taylor's impressive herself at... She is. Yeah. She's a pretty good skier, it. yeah. So I remember I went once with all... And her and all of her friends, and I was like, I was like, you're all so good. And I felt... I was embarrassed because yeah. I was. Was it your first time? Uh, it was one of my first times. I was better at that point, so I yeah. could go down the hill without falling. Yeah. But like you know, watching everybody just like crush down the hill, and I was a, the second slowest, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So I had one person at least to fluff my ego a little bit, but um, yeah. But I imagine she's a pretty good teacher. But yeah, you're learning something new. That's awesome. So actually, so a friend of mine, his name's Ian. He's a referee. Uh, yeah. So he's a ski instructor at Glen Eden. So oh, nice. Ian's been on me for a couple of years to come out, and uh, finally with Taylor's. Uh, with Taylor and David, David as well. He's uh, David and his wife Caroline are very avid skiers. Nice. I think he's at fifty-two days skied this year. Oh. So yeah. So he's he's very oh. avid. Yeah. They're both their kids skied for Ontario, nice. like really crazy stuff, right? Wow. So Ian's been on me. He's like, come do a lesson, come do a lesson, and uh, and you know Taylor, we talked we talked earlier about yep. being domesticated, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have our summer sports. So we play tennis and we uh, ride bikes in the summer. And now we have our winter sports skiing, and you know that's what we're nice. we're hopefully going to do with our family and. Uh, and so I go out and Ian gave me three hours with him. Like I was with Ian for three hours and he was right. just teaching me. And uh, it was tough at first. You know, I didn't learn quickly. Taylor's, Taylor thought I'd be much better than I was. Right. But uh, we, yeah, we got out there and, and, you know, my second day. And, and then I'm just like, well, I'm going to take on a black diamond. But, yeah, you know, yeah, sport did that to me where I, I need that adrenaline rush, right? Yeah. So, so now I'm just, you know, all out, just go at it, right? Yeah, like yeah. full speed, you know. What's this pizza around corners? No, screw that. Just, just yeah, fries, yeah, yeah. all the way around, right? Yeah. And if you bail, bail hard and make it look awesome. Like yeah. that's, that's it's really no, it's not that bad sometimes. It's not. Dude, yeah. I have the same thing. I have to. It has to get more intense, like yeah. with water skiing. Oh, I okay. started water skiing and just like trailing behind the boat. Yeah. And I started to go out of the wake a little bit, and then I started doing tricks, and then I started dropping a ski. So I was doing a solo and one ski. Wow. And then I started doing like behind the wake, and then I started going out of the wake, and then I started doing tricks, and now I'm like. What else do I do? I'm like, Dad, go faster. Yeah. And my dad's dragging me behind his boat. I'm like, go faster. I need to, yeah. I, the wake needs to be bigger. I need to hit uh, hit more air. Yeah. And uh, it's a problem. Because yeah. now I want to. You just get addicted to the adrenaline. It's right? ridiculous. And yeah. when you're going fast enough, water becomes concrete. Same I thing with uh, snow. It becomes concrete. It can be. Yeah, it can yeah. be. Yeah. Luckily, I haven't gotten those speeds yet. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, don't, don't hurt yourself, Dale. It's not. Uh, well, if you do, come here. Yeah. yeah I'll definitely. I'll take care of it. Yeah, I might yeah. come here in like uh, an ambulance and just be all broken apart. But yeah, yeah. I'll here. fix you up. Yeah, uh, dude, uh, we should we should wrap it up for sure. Yeah. Um, I always ask a question to everybody. 
uh, especially in their field of work, if there's one thing, one word even, uh, one like one thing you would want every single person on this planet to know slash do, what would it be? I'm assuming you're going to talk about finance. Yeah. So we'll frame in that. So, I mean, really, I'm going to talk about life and finance. Uh, No matter what position you're in right now, no matter how dark you feel you might be, whether it be financially, physically, mentally, if you keep your head up and you, you work through what you're going through right now and you ask for help, there's support there and everything will always be okay in the that's, end. Yeah, that's really it. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that a lot. You like that? Right? Because uh, we I, I know we talked about it before because uh, I love the thought that health is overarching. It's There's a lot of things that go into what we define as health and Financial health is definitely one of those. Mm-hmm. So that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Find someone you trust and let them help you. Yeah. Good that's work awesome. will happen. Good I love work it. Done. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Anything else to plug? Where, where can people find you and, and kind of stuff like that? So uh, I, our office is in uh, Brantford. So we're uh, the Cumeta Group, a division of Bellwether Family Wealth, uh, 156 Brant Ave. Uh, phone number is 519-751-2211. Nice. Even if it's just questions, I'm always happy to grab a coffee and get to know someone. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put your number and the company name in the show notes. So if anyone is looking for those, you can find them there. Um, and I feel like we should shout out Taylor's company because I actually, <laughs> I had bought my mom and sister and sister-in-law her hats. Mm-hmm. My sister-in-law and, and sister, okay. her hats. So it's infinite. Yeah. So it's infinity, but in between the T and the Y at the end, there's just an A. There is a, yeah, that's is it. Is it two yeah. Y's at the end or no? It's just, no, no. Kay. She's going to hate me if I got it wrong. I'm pretty sure it's infinite, one T. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, follow her on Instagram and uh, she makes incredible uh, hats. She does. And, and uh, she ships them like everywhere i guess yeah she'll ship she'll ship nice. wherever and yeah. uh and she's got a great cfo behind her in uh, Dale Hall, yeah. so i've uh, helped write that write that ship no pun intended on her last name nice but uh nice. yeah she's a she's a great girl and uh she does a, a lot of hard work she's a, an extremely cool. hard worker yeah seriously yeah. yeah yeah always um cool you guys are a match made in heaven i think it's adorable oh uh, thank you very yeah. much i'm a little yeah. mad me and tim are coming to the wedding but whatever dale <laughs> i know we've only met hey, a handful of times the, the bar is open so if you guys oh, want to show up on the day all right and i really hope some people don't do this I'll get back. oh like, whoops what's yeah. this yeah oh just, hey guys you just can't come upstairs but well we can uh the okay, bar's cool. open downstairs so nice all dude i find that if you bring a clipboard anywhere you can get into anywhere you, you just really can, you just yeah. look really important i put an airpod in and i'm just like no no day you know and just like writing things down you just walk right past security I think that's happened. I think there's been a couple articles online where people are like, oh, yeah, I just wore a security shirt and I got to the backstage of a Bon Jovi concert. It's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can get away with a lot of stuff with confidence. Um, cool. Anything else to add? I, I don't have much more to say. I think we're pretty good there. Sweet. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Right. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been Between Sets, episode 43 with Dale Hall. Uh, I just wanted to put a dramatic emphasis on that. But yeah. All right, guys. Cheers.